0: I am Mandi from Zenonco.io. It is an honor to have Dr. Jindal on our platform. First, I would like to introduce our company, Zenonco.io and Numbna's Cancer. We guide cancer patients in their treatment journey. Our company aims to extend the life and improve the quality of life for cancer patients through an integrative oncology treatment, which includes both complementary treatments as well as medical treatment. We provide end-to-end care to patients and also help with counseling, healing sessions, wave, medical cannabis, anti-cancer diet, awareness sessions, and pain and palliative care. This session is going to be all about spreading awareness and educating cancer patients. And for that, we have Dr. Rajesh Shindal with us. Let us take this opportunity to introduce him. Dr. Jindal is a medical oncologist with a rich experience of more than 23 years. He's currently practicing at Medela Cancer Cure Center in Kolkata. So thank you, sir, for taking our time for, from your busy schedule to talk to us. And I'm sure uh, a lot of queries will be answered through this session. So um, I would like you to introduce yourself first.
1: Well, Thank you very much for providing me this platform. Uh, I am Dr. Rajesh Jindal. I am a medical oncologist. I practice in calcutta I've got uh, thirty-two years of experience behind me. You just happen to reverse the digits, okay? So, well, uh, I I graduated from Jaipur. Then I worked at the All India Medical Institute for four, almost three and a half years. From there, I was in Saudi as a medical oncologist, and then I worked in TMH, Data Memorial Hospital, for a year again, and now I'm settled over here in Calcutta. I have brought up my own hospital, a daycare unit, to be more precise, by the name of uh, Medela Cancer Cure Center. It houses the latest of the radiotherapy equipment, linear accelerator, which is called Halcyon, introduced in the world market only in 2018, and it is only the second unit in Eastern India, if I'm not mistaken, that is. And we have a daycare unit to do the entire range of chemotherapy in my daycare center.
0: Okay, that's wonderful, sir. So I would love to start by your thoughts about cancer as a disease and how your journey being an oncologist has
1: been. Well, uh, you asked me something which is very close to my heart as to what do I think about cancer. Well, cancer, I think, is one thing which uh, we are trying to understand, and I will not be modest. I would say that we have understood it to a quite a fair degree, right? Uh, when I started my, my training in cancer way back in 1984 from the SMS Medical College, Jaipur, any lung cancer whom we would see, we just gave him six months. And now we, I have seen my own patients now. I see them after three, four, five years also. And they're also lung cancer patients. We've come a long way in treatment. 60% of the leukemias are curable now. A lot of the solid tumors and by solid tumors i mean tumors of the head and neck tumors of the mouth tumors of the lung tumors of the stomach intestine pancreas and other organs of the body which are not uh, which do not originate from the blood or its uh, its components they are called solid tumors Uh, we've come a long way in treating them as well right Uh, surgery has improved so has radiation techniques and so have the drugs which we use now for the uh, treatment of cancer, uh, which most people call chemotherapy. So as regards my experience, well, it has been a very uh, varied experience I would say, but on the whole, uh, it has been good. I've been able to offer the right kind of advice to my people right kind of advice to my patients. And you know, my dictum in offering treatment to my patients is to cure sometimes, to relieve often, but to comfort always. And it has helped me through these years.
0: Uh, so, that's actually good to hear that cancer has progressed in all these years. Uh, definitely, there are some cancers where definite cure is not there, but uh, the aim is to extend the life as much as possible.
1: Precisely. Yeah.
0: So, uh, can you share something about about Hodgkin lymphoma and how is it treated?
1: Well, Hodgkin's, yes. Uh, Hodgkin's is a lymphoma as the name itself says, it's a lymphoma, right? What is a lymphoma? Well, uh, in the blood, there is a particular kind of white cell which are called lymphocytes. And the lymphocytes are made, bond and bred in a thing called lymph nodes of the body, right? For lay people, I think they should suffice. And you have an affliction of these lymph nodes. These lymph nodes, the cells in the lymph nodes—they just start; uh, they they start multiplying. They go into a malignant transformation. They undergo a cancerous change, uh, uh, so to say. But it is not called cancer because it originates from from the lymph node. It's called a lymphoma, right? That is the difference in in the nomenclature. Now, Hodgkin's is one thing, which uh, is uh, which fascinates the oncologists even now. After all these years that we've known of Hodgkin's, it fascinates us even now, simply because we can cure a large number of Hodgkin's lymphoma patients. That is the reason. Hodgkin's, and in the first place, it can be diagnosed early also, because one of the earliest presentation of Hodgkin's and, and in a large number of patients is a swelling. It could be in the neck, it could be the armpit, it could be in the groin. Where we uh, miss out diagnosing Hodgkin's is if it starts in the lymph node inside the abdo- abdomen, but that is a very unusual place for the Hodgkin's to start. It may spread over there, but it usually does not start over there. So, you know, combined, the fact, combined with the fact that we, it lends itself to early diagnosis and, and that we've got effective drugs against it, uh, yes, we guys do have a fascination towards Hodgkin because we know it can be cured.
0: Okay, and what would a typical line of treatment be for Hodgkin lymphoma?
1: You mean the lifespan of the patient after being the diagnosed? The treatment.
0: Hodgkin? The treatment that you
1: treatment. generally okay. start. With. Uh, we would generally start. The, now, the first thing that we need to do if we suspect Hodgkin's. The the lymph node swelling of the Hodgkin's has a very characteristic feel, right? You would start suspecting Hodgkin's as soon as you have palpated a lymph node, right? Ask for a biopsy, right? Don't be scared of a biopsy. It helps, right? It gives you the diagnosis, in fact. Okay, then according to the biopsy report, we arrive at the conclusion that it may be Hodgkin's. Hodgkin's may be any of the four types that we know. Then comes the staging of the disease. You know that he's got a problem, but then you also need to evaluate the extent of the problem. So, for the extent of the problem, you would do the appropriate CT scans, you would do a bone marrow evaluation, or you may do a PET scan, maybe, and uh, avoid the bo- uh, the various uh, CT scans and maybe you may be able to avoid the bone marrow examination also with the PET CT in some, in some cases. Now comes the treatment part, generally no surgery unless of course he is obstructing somewhere but then most of the times the treatment of Hodgkin's is chemotherapy there is this famous regime called ABVD, which consists of a combination of four drugs. It may uh, start with two cycles, evaluate, start, give another two, evaluate. If the patient has still has a residual disease or other things, he may be supplemented with radiotherapy. Right. I have given a very broad outline, so to say. Now, the the expertise of the center, the expertise of the doctor, Uh, lies in the fact how he combines and where he places the radiotherapy and chemotherapy. That is where the expertise lies and that is expertise which is now available in plenty all over the country. Okay,
0: so... um... My next question is that, uh, how does a brain tumor affect the human body and how is it different for adults and children?
1: Okay, see, how does a brain tumor affect the body? Uh, To start with, let us see uh, what does the brain do for us besides thinking. Okay, the brain is the control center of the body. Each of your organs in the body, the hands, the legs, the feet, the fingers, the eyes, they are represented in an area of the brain. All right. So if you have a space occupying lesion, now I will not call it a cancer up front, but if there is a tumor. Now, tumor, you must understand, according to us, any swelling is a tumor. It could be malignant, uh, cancerous, or it could be non-cancerous. It could be malignant or it could be benign. All right, now, since inside the brain, the space is limited. The brain is housed in a brain box, which is a cranium as we would call it in our language, right? Brain box the space is limited. So if you have any extraneous growth over there or any extra growth over there, it will cause pressure symptoms. It is so simple. Right. Then it gives rise to headache, it might give rise to vomiting, it might give rise to change in the vision. You might see two instead of one, you might not see at all, or you may have problems in your balancing, which is walking or standing up. All right, Then comes if it affects uh, your, uh, say, respiratory center, Right, then the respiration will be compromised, you will have difficulty in breathing. If it impinges on the area which represent your hand or your feet, right? those organs will be affected as well. You may not be able to raise your hand. You may not be able to feel your leg and so on and so forth. So this is how a brain tumor affects the, the human body. It may not affect the, the brain so much as, as it will affect its distant, the distant part. So that is how it affects. Now, brain tumors in children they would of course affect the same way but there is a slightly different spectrum of tumors of brain tumors in children right which is which is more amenable to treatment rather than the uh, rather than the tumors in adults but then you know having said that i i would not want to venture in pediatric malignancies but tumors because I don't treat them. So I think we will avoid all questions regarding pediatric malignancies, but adult malignancies, I would be very happy to answer all your questions.
0: Sure, sir. So my next question would be that, uh, can you explain the difference between benign tumors and malignant tumors with respect to brain cancer?
1: With respect to?
0: Brain cancer.
1: Brain tumors. Fine. Okay. Now, see, like as I said in my previous answer, that any swelling is what we call a tumor. It could be cancerous when we call it malignant. It it could be non-cancerous when we call it benign. Now, what is the difference between the two? Well, both of them occupy space in the brain, right? Both of them can cause symptoms which could be just as bad. Just as bad. Now, how do we differentiate? See, a benign tumor is a growth which which stays at one place. It might increase in size, of course. That is how uh, it will cause the symptoms. If it does not increase in size, it won't be there in the first place, right? So uh, it increases in size, but one saving grace about it is that it does not spread. And it is usually confined into the same place. And once you remove it, it may not recur. It may not come back. Does not not usually require anything more than surgery to remove it. Does not uh, multiply and spread outside outside of its confines. Whereas uh, a malignant tumor is diametrically opposite of all that I have said. It keeps on increasing in size, and I will not say that uh, that the size increase would always be slow for a, a malignant tumor. It can multiply rapidly. It can spread. It can spread locally. You know, it can spread like the uh, say like the limbs of a crab. It can go left, right, center, up, down anywhere it wants to besides being the body okay and uh, it may not always be amenable to surgery right because it has spread so much like this like this into the brain that you can't remove all the fingers of the tumor and these tumors after surgery they would require some kind of local treatment also which would be which would be radiotherapy and If it is spread beyond the brain, also, which is rather unusual for a brain tumor, then it would need chemotherapy as well. Now, if you have uh, 100 tumors in the brain, right, about 60 would be benign, 40 would be malignant. Okay. Yeah
0: so um i just wanted to know something about testicular cancer treatment and how is it done
1: testicular cancer treatment is a very i would say now seeing it from my point of view uh, it's a very good thing to treat simply because it is treatable right it is it is treatable it is one thing that every oncologist would want to treat because it is curable it's treatable right it might it occurs usually at extremes of age right but then uh, now extremes of age i may be slightly off the mark sorry i i will not be able to, i will not uh, repeat that statement but then uh, uh, whenever it is found and in whomever it is found it lends itself to treatment very well and you can imagine why right the organ is so accessible it's so visible right any swelling in the organ any alteration in the uh, feeling it can be immediately made out right and then it is so easy to operate it's so easy to operate right you can operate it and you can remove it all right located it outside the body the, the, the chances are spread into the body, although they are good, they are great, but uh, still, you know, it can be cured, it can be done, it can be treated. There is a blood marker, which is called uh, alpha fetoprotein and uh, beta-HCG. These are the two substances which, which are secreted by uh, various kinds of uh, testicular tumors. They can be evaluated in the blood again and again every month, maybe, and then we can see the progress of the treatment or, or the progress of the disease or the regression of the disease, and the drugs are effective and they are cheap. So that is how you know uh, testicular tumors are uh, are uh, very treatable, very curable, and uh, every oncologist likes to treat. Uh, 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 testicular tumor, just like they want to treat Hodgkin's disease also.
0: Right. So, as you said, it's a very treatable cancer. So, how does the road to recovery of a testicular cancer patient look like?
1: I I really won't know what are you trying to ask me about the road to recovery, but... Like the remission? Yeah. The road to recovery would mean that the patient would have to undergo surgery, right? Then then by surgery, by PET-CT and other things, we would be able to exactly and precisely stage the tumor. What stage is it? Chemotherapy, maybe for four, I would say four to six cycles on the upper side, yes. Usually a remission after that. And then under close follow-up. So I would think about Initially, about uh, six to eight months of active treatment, maybe less, okay, maybe about six months of active treatment. And after that, in most of the cases, it would be only for follow up, unless, you know, if the Lord has been exceptionally unkind to him, then it would recur, it would recur, and it would recur. And then I would keep on treating, keep on treating, keep on treating. I had a patient whom who I started seeing for a testicular tumor when he was about 28 years of age. And uh, now he is 48, I would think. Right? And he keeps getting a recurrence every four or five years, every four or five years, sometimes here, sometimes there, sometimes in the lungs, but it is treatable every time. So it feels nice to treat such patients simply because you know that you are, that you're helping the boy, you're helping the patient.
0: Yeah. So, doctor, um, according to you, how does age affect the effectiveness of the treatment of cancer?
1: That is a very good question and a very open question. You know, generally, age does not matter in the treatment so much as the general condition matters. Right? You might have a patient who is 45 years of age, who's got uh, diabetes, hypertension, kidney failure, this, that, this, that, and he is hardly able to walk up, stand up from his wheelchair. Right? There is a guy who's 65 who comes to your OPD with a swelling in the neck, and you know that he's come from horse riding straight to you, or he's come after, or he's come to you after a game of tennis. Right, and if these two guys have the same same thing, even you and our, you and everybody would understand that these two would undergo different treatments. Right, but then you know, having said that, uh, age would usually figure in our calculations in the anesthesia fitness for surgery. Age would fit in if we have to treat the patient with. Uh, chemotherapy mainly see because what happens is that uh the red marrow the marrow in the bone which uh, makes your blood cells both red white and platelets right that that becomes limited after as you age in children you you have a lot of bone marrow there red marrow active marrow in young patients a lot of bone marrow reserves you can treat them with any kind of a chemotherapy drug and they would usually bounce back. Right? Before the next cycle, all the counts would be normal or they would need slight support here and there and the counts are normal. But using the same protocol of chemotherapy on a 70-year-old gentleman may, may not be so... Uh, i would say it would be effective all the same but then it risk would be more because it does not have the bone marrow reserves so so generally what we do in patients whom we are slightly skeptical or if the patient is after 60 or beyond 70 we would usually reduce the dose of chemotherapy according to our evaluation but in most of the cases about we would give only about 80% of the ideal dose to these patients, so that we can uh, spare the marrow, use the marrow, and also continue with the treatment of this patient. Okay.
0: So, uh, sir, in your medical experience of more than 32 years, uh, what is the most challenge? I'll I'll repeat the question. So, in your medical experience of more than 32 years, what is the most challenging or distinct case that you have come across?
1: Oh, you're asking me a case that I've come across. Yeah,
0: okay. that would uh, that you'd mark as a very challenging or distinct case.
1: Now I would need to think about it, but the most obvious case that I can think of is, I mean, you want a sad ending or a happy or a happy ending?
0: <laughs> Anything that you'd like to share?
1: Okay, okay, I'll. I'll give you one of each okay uh, this was about uh, 2010 or 11 maybe uh, sitting in my OPD and uh, they brought in an old man and stinking like mad his head was covered stinking like mad and uh, two people were you know holding him up and they brought him to me in my OPD and my first reaction was that why me mepas a patient all right. Uh, I mean, why did he have to come and see me? Okay. So then the attendants, they told him, sir, he's my father and uh, he's got this uh, malignant ulcer on the head. And uh, he had a skin cancer which had practically eaten up all the scalp right up to the eye over here, right up to going you know all the way like this. And he was bleeding. It was infected and all those things, you know, which you, uh, uh, will not want to see in a 80 year old man and i was completely at my wits ends i didn't know what to do with him because i can't irradiate such a huge area i can't his his gc was so bad general condition was so bad that i can't even give him uh, chemotherapy for skin cancer uh, there was this new drug which had been introduced in those days called gefitinib and uh, Jephetinib, uh, uh, according to a mechanism, it could be used in skin cancers also, which is what I thought, because which is what I had read. I wrote him the tablet. Fortunately, it's an oral preparation. So I wrote him a tablet of Jephetinib, uh, one day each, and asked him to see me after six weeks. All right. Now, this gentleman does not come to me after six weeks, or maybe Bhulya. I also forgot about it. Uh, because I didn't want to see him in the first place. So I forgot about it, very conveniently. After about I think three months or three and a, uh, three and a half odd months, there is again this elderly gentleman, 80 years old, who comes to me and he's got a small ulcer over here. Shoot, said, small ulcer, about three by three centimeters right over here. Everything has healed up here. So I said, Ki, why are you here? He said, prescription. this is your old prescription. I saw the prescription. It was my prescription, and I said, "Oh God, this is the same man who's come to me." And you know, it, it was so satisfying that day. I was so happy that day. Ki, at least I helped this old man. Yeah, you know, the, now he's not he's not bleeding anymore. He's not infected anymore. And you know, he's with himself again. Yeah. So this was a good experience that I had. I still remember the case. I do. Yes. Uh, the other case which. It, that is if you're still interested. Do I have the time? Um,
0: can I think you have the time.
1: Anyway, That's okay. Okay. <laughs> okay.
0: Sure. So uh, my last question would be that uh, how do you believe a cancer patient and their family should deal with the news of cancer and how can we control the fear surrounding it?
1: You know, uh, very, very important question, simply because uh, fear is one thing uh, which starts with the name of cancer, right? Unless we overcome that fear, we'll not be able to overcome the disease. Uh, Give me some time, I'll tell you about this thing. You know, the first fear is that uh, people don't want to come to a screening camp. Cancer screening camp, you set up a cancer screening camp, most people don't want to come because they think, what if I am diagnosed one? I mean, I would say if you are so scared of the diagnosis, how will you go and treat yourself? Eh? So you need to understand about it. You need to know. Right? Then comes the fear of having a having a biopsy done. Most people don't want to get a biopsy done simply because they think it's going to spread. Now, if you go to your doctor, if I go to my doctor, I, I wouldn't expect him to do anything to me which will spread my disease, right? Which is also true for biopsy. A doctor advises you a biopsy, not because he wants it to spread. I mean, it's because he wants to make a diagnosis, right? Then comes the the fear of treatment, chemotherapy. And they've they've all heard horror stories about chemotherapy. It burns your blood, it burns your skin, the, the person becomes black and the hair will not grow again. No. What I suggest to all my people, all my patients who come to me, right? who've been operated for a breast tumor, who've been operated for a stomach tumor, operated for a brain tumor, right? I say, look, if you have any questions about what happens during surgery, after surgery, after radiation, after chemo, just stay with me, right? Stay with me for half an hour or an hour, stay through my OPD. I will make you see a patient who has undergone surgery, who has undergone radiation? Who has undergone chemotherapy? Talk to him, ask him. Right. Major bolunga you know, whatever I say, you might not want to believe it, or you will, you know, take it with a bag of salt that I have to propagate my treatment. So don't ask me, ask that patient. Ask that lady whom I treated with 12 cycles of chemotherapy and she's doing well. She's got all her hair back, or at least 80% of it back. Her skin is as normal as it can be. And if you see her from far, you can't even say whether she's got uh, that she was a cancer patient. So, you know what? Fear should be treated, counteracted by live examples, is what I would say. Nothing better than that. Nothing better than that. That That's what I would advise.
0: That's a wonderful advice, sir. Uh, so uh, lastly, how do you believe that Sanonco.io is uh, helping in spreading the awareness around cancer?
1: Oh, We need a lot of people like you. We need a lot of people like you because you people uh, fill in the gap which we are not able to reach. See, you know what? Uh, you need uh, Uh, linking units everywhere. Okay, there is a guy who's roaming about with a report of cancer in his hand, does not know what to do with himself or with the report yet, right? Nowadays, what what most people do is that they would go on the net, right? They would go on the net. uh, Sites which are uh, provided and promoted by hospitals they come as number two preference of most patients is what i have learned the hard way right because every hospital is going to promote itself that is why it is on the net okay every doctor every specialist will obviously promote himself that is why he's on the net all right so he wants some impartial advice this patient or maybe he's already seen three doctors and they've advised him surgery right one doctor has said surgery the other has said no i will treat you with chemo first after that you surgery and the third doctor said no it should be surgery followed by chemo followed by radiation and this man is utterly lost here and then how do you expect him to you know how do you expect him to decide here so that is where you people come in you say right you you've got this thing right We will lead you to the right man, okay, who will be able to give you a line of action. That you start from step one, step two, step three. See at the end of the day, uh, it will still be his call, right, whom he wants to follow. But the point is that, that link is important. He trusts you because you are an impartial advisor, right? You don't have a link with one hospital. You give him a choice of three or four hospitals. Where do you want? I'll fix you an appointment over there. Or if you trust us, I will fix you an appointment in such and such a hospital, You know, such and such a doctor. So wherever uh, these people get an element of choice, trust builds up. Because he knows that you are an impartial observer, you, that you are an impartial service provider. So. That is why you people come in. That's
0: actually and I think, very, uh,
1: uh, yeah. Sorry?
0: Yes, please go ahead.
1: No, I'll just, you know, uh, going about in the same, same vein. I mean, uh, uh, you should be more, make yourself more and more accessible to people. That's what I would say. Spread yourself all over the net. All all over the social media. It's going to help all of us.
0: That's a great advice. So, uh, thank you so much, sir, for your valuable inputs and for being with us during today's knowledge sharing session. And you took our time from your schedule with, uh, to talk with us and share your so many insights with us. So, I'm sure so many people will be benefiting from this session. So, thank you once thank again you, from Zenonco.io and Love Heads Cancer for this insightful session on our platform.
1: Bye-bye. Take care and be safe. Yeah. Bye.